0: Welcome to the Unified Brand Podcast, brought to you by Elements Brand Management, a weekly brand building and brand strategy podcast to help you unlock your brand's potential, stand out from the competition and create impact. So today we're joined by Ali Martin, a visibility expert and president of Fame and Fortune Brand Management, helping brands looking to grow their digital presence through social media tactics, website optimization, and content creation. Great to have you on the Unified Brand Podcast, Ali. It'd be good to learn a little bit more about yourself, what you do, and Fame and Fortune Brand Management.
1: Hey, Chris, I'm excited to be here. And um, this interview has been a long time coming. We have been trying to talk with each other for many months. So I just feel like it is just fate that we are here today. So I'm excited. Great way to kick off my morning. So I'm based in Shelbyville, Kentucky in the U.S., and I am owner of Fame and Fortune, which helps primarily female entrepreneurs with their visibility, both through social media and public relations. My background is in public relations primarily. I started as a TV reporter right out of college and quickly found that I really enjoyed the PR side. And it was very similar, but you just got to have a little bit more organization and focus on one company. So I have worked in public relations. Most notably, I served on the Amazon's PR team managing PR for the Southeast region of the United States. So that was a really cool experience and allowed me to really see how a company as large as Amazon does manage their PR and then using some of those same tactics with our small business owner clients. So that's really what led me to start Fame & Fortune, where I am working with those small business owners.
0: Cool. So what's some of the things you see with uh, businesses where they don't quite understand PR? What are the things, the biggest sort of stumbling blocks you see for businesses to get into the PR side of things?
1: First of all, they aren't doing any PR whatsoever. You know, small business owners have a lot of plates. Uh, They have a lot of hats they have to wear. They have to juggle a lot of plates. Like They have to keep it all going. And I think PR is one of those things that gets dropped off very, very quickly. And in my mind, you really have to be telling your PR story because if you aren't, there's no one else going to. And really, when you think about a company as large as Amazon, that's really what sets it apart and why they get the attention that they get in the media is because they have somebody dedicated to telling their story. So that's where small business owners are at a disadvantage because they don't have any more hours in the day than anyone else. They have the same amount of time and yet they have to be smart with how they're using that time. So, you know, I I really like to see small business owners telling their story, interacting and engaging with journalists in their industry, in their market, in their communities so that they can start to build those PR relationships and start to get some coverage for their business.
0: What's a really good way to kind of build those relationships initially? Is there a good way to reach out or is there a sort of standardized thing that you can do to engage with those journalists?
1: So Chris, as a 21, 22 year old, right out of college, I had a mentor that encouraged me to have coffee with one journalist a week. So I was in a brand new city and knew no one, was starting from scratch. And he said, I want you to have coffee with one journalist every week. And you know, by the end of the year, think of all the journalists that you will have met and have in your back pocket to call on whenever you need them. That scared the living daylights out of me because the fact of like having to reach out to these people, ask them to go to coffee, like why would they want to go to coffee with me? You know, we play all of those stories in our head. And I will tell you to this day, almost 15 years later, those are still some of the most valuable relationships that I've ever built. So I really encourage people to actually break out of their bubble of saying, I'm going to you know, run the store and I'm not going to go out and try to network or I'm going to stay in my home office and not leave the confines of my house but really actually reach out and build those relationships. You can build those relationships online. You can follow these journalists on Twitter. You can respond and interact with any content that they've written, compliment them on things that they are working on. So it can be done, but it's much more meaningful and much easier if you can shoot them an email and say, hey, you're in the town that I'm in, let's meet up for coffee, let's meet up for lunch. And really, just start to build those relationships. Now, it's not as easy to do that if you are looking at a, an industry that's widespread, that maybe is not in your town or in your community. And then that the best way to go about that is doing it online and virtually. But you can even just have a Zoom call and be able to interact with them that way. But you know, that's really the foundation of public relations. That's why relations is in the name. It is it is all about relationships and you know, when you work with a publicist, that's really the primary reason of why you're paying them. Of course, they're going to be pitching you to the media and they're going to be crafting your story and your message in a very strategic way. But oftentimes it's those relationships that they already have built. It's the podcast hosts, it's the reporters, the editors they've already built relationships with that they can just pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I have a great person for you to interview. And and it's a yes immediately. So, you know, those relationships are really important. And I think oftentimes people think there's a fast track to get around them and a way to just, you know, easily get to the end goal. But as I said, those relationships are a lifetime and are super valuable, even years down the road.
0: So how do you, when you go into work with a business, what are the things that you think about first when looking at Doing something with regards to PR, what do you, when you said about there telling the story, are there certain things that you look out for, certain bits of content that you can use or that people should be aware of in their own business?
1: Yeah, really the best way to consider this for your own business, if you're listening and you're kind of wondering how you can start to get that media coverage for yourself is what is newsworthy about your business? Think about whenever you turn on the news at night, the stories that are making the headlines. And when you think about a local TV station, it's all about the local news. So they may share a national story, but then they may interview a, a local to give their perspective. Or maybe that local was at the event when X, Y, and Z happened. So they always approach it from a local perspective. And what are their listeners? What are their viewers? What are their readers going to care about? So the best way to really kind of step back and take a perspective is kind of how can we make this current? How can we make this something that you would see on the news? And then who is the personality behind it? So a lot of times businesses will say, yeah, I want to get in front of the media. I want to you know, tell my story, but I don't want to be the one to do it. It's like, well, who do you think's going to do it? So you have to be willing and ready to step outside and be that spokesperson for your business and um and be able to get that story out there. So yeah, I think newsworthiness and timeliness, even trends, those are all really good buzzwords to think about when you're thinking about your message and your story.
0: Cool. So interestingly there, you you mentioned about the person who has to present that kind of story. And I think we're seeing a shift, obviously, from brands being companies, but you also have now personal brands making a big appearance, obviously, on LinkedIn and things like this. Do you think it's crucial for the alignment between the brand and the personal brand when it comes to PR and spreading that message?
1: Yeah, I really do see an alignment there. And particularly even in social media, Chris, like so many brands I know are kind of moving away from having this personal persona on social media and then their company's persona on social media and just having it intermixed into one. Mm. And I think that's really cool because As a consumer, we need to get to know the person behind the brand. You know, we don't purchase from a brand. We purchase from a person. And so much about public relations is the same thing, is personifying a brand by picking a spokesperson, by presenting the president or the CEO. So really, any shift that you can make into more of a personal brand really gets you closer and makes it, quite frankly, easier to sell to those potential customers. Because if you think about it, they get to know you, they get to trust you, they like you as a person. You know, these are all things that have to happen in marketing before somebody will purchase from you. And it's much easier to do that when you're staring at a person than when you're reading about section on a website, because there's no real person about. So I think that really is a good strategy to think about. And something to consider because it also makes less work on your plate as far as, okay, I have to manage my business, social media over here, but then I also have to make sure I'm creating content for my personal social media over here. Like why not, if you are able to combine them, make them one and just create content for the one and just make sure you're marketing yourself accordingly to your brand. And I really do enjoy that approach. And I think just makes things easier all around.
0: Yeah, you're definitely seeing this uh sort of shift as well with with linkedin and people using their, their sort of personal and the the corporate brand together and just having that openness that authenticity where they're coming through and explaining you know who they are what they believe in that kind of thing and utilizing that channel to its fullest and like you said it's almost tearing down walls that have been established over over many years you know so it's always good so from that you mentioned uh content how does pr and your social content fit into an overarching strategy does it play together how do you fit that together
1: social media and public relations while most of the times they are very much their own separate departments under a marketing overarching title they definitely should and can work together and the best way that i really like to work them together is determining that message of who you are what you do who you serve what results you get your customer Creating that public relations message around the timeliness, around the newsworthiness, and then mirroring that content on social media. And really the best way about this, Chris, is whenever journalists are going to your social media to investigate, like, oh, do I want to interview this person? Do I not? And don't be fooled. They are looking at the number of followers you have because they are all thinking, I want them to share their story out once I've included them. And so those things are important. So social media is important if you are looking to get more PR, but they're looking at those channels to get a feel for you. So anytime you can mirror that same message that you've pitched to them on social media, it seems like a unified brand. It doesn't seem like two siloed departments that aren't talking with each other. And then just to piggyback off of the example I just gave, a lot of times these journalists are expecting you to share the stories out that you're included in or the interviews that you have been included in. These will all need to be shared on social media. So kind of having the strategic approach, okay, this is the pitch that I'm sending, having that mirrored on your social media. And then it, again, makes sense when you're sharing an interview where you talked about that topic on your social media. But if you think about it from that way, and you have two different messages going on either arm, as soon as you start to share one of those interviews on social media, people are going, oh, that's weird. That's not at all what I thought she talked about. Or it just doesn't seem organic, doesn't seem natural. But you know, really having those one or two topics, that's really all you need that you really feel like are your passion and what you can talk about, what you can be an industry leader on a a speaker on. And having that message consistently come up on your social media just makes it completely natural that those two would marry each other.
0: I like the focus of just one or two topics. I think that's a really good way to be because if you can really sort of niche down on that expert industry or what you do, it almost increases the visibility because you're so specific and niche in what you're talking about that it actually improves that memorability. So is there any sort of tips that you have for people to find what those topics should be or how they can sort of key into that?
1: Yeah, and I would say it does. It really does allow you to become known for that topic. And I will say that's really where I start with a lot of clients because most people don't know what they want those topics to be. So if you're in that same boat, don't be ashamed right now. If you're like, I have no idea what I would talk about. I feel I was in the same boat. But if you can have those two, it really does allow you to be known for that. But where I start with most clients is I say, what do you want to be known for? What lights you up? Like, what do you feel like you could get on a podcast and talk for hours and hours on? And you would always be able to come up with an answer. You would always be able to kind of bounce ideas around. So thinking about that, it may not be related to your business, but I guarantee there's probably a way we can connect it back to your business. So I started a podcast almost seven years ago called Selfish, all about self-care. I worked in the spa industry at the time. And I really loved hearing all of these self-care experts talk about why spas are important and why you need to take time out for yourself. And I thought, man, I have people in my life that need to hear this more. I need to be able to share this message out. So I started a podcast. I had no idea I wanted to start my own business at the time. And so it didn't have any connection with my business. But then whenever I did start to bounce around the idea of having my own business, I realized that entrepreneurs are actually the ones that need to practice self-care the most. Yet we're the ones that are being brave with our ideas and saying, all right, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to take this chance on myself and I'm going to start a business. And at the same time, I would argue that that is self-care because you are repressing yourself enough that you have this good idea and you're going to work hard enough to make it work. So, you know, I really think that would be an example I would give of, you know, how spas can connect with a PR and social media business. But, you know, you can see how I can kind of weave those ideas together where it doesn't seem so off the wall and random that I would be talking about self-care on my social media. Because it is definitely something that I want to share with more entrepreneurs as I realize how hard entrepreneurs work and how we really never stop working, um, if I'll I'll be honest. But that's really, I would say, the best way to kind of think about your messages and the pitches that you want to share is kind of what do you want to be known for? And even if it's random, let's figure out a way to connect it back to your business so that it, it can make sense for your marketing.
0: Oh, and self-care-wise, actually, take a bit of a segue onto that, because I think that is really important, like you said, for entrepreneurs and business owners to practice. And it can be easy to get caught up, easy to get burnout, easy to just overwork. What, what are some things that you do as self-care and things that you recommend people to do?
1: So I'm such a type A person, and I realize this may not work for everyone, but I am just a huge list person. And I have, if I've gotten my ideas and I've gotten my tasks on paper it instantly calms me. And there's kind of this approach of, I've gotten it written down so I know it will get done because it will stay on that list until it gets crossed off. And you know, I'm kind of one of those people, even if I don't have something on my list and I do it, I'll add it to my list just so I can cross it off, just so I can get that satisfaction of crossing something (laughs) off my list. But I definitely take self-care approach in a very methodical way. You know, there's certain people out there that I've interviewed and know that they meditate. And that's a huge part of how they start their day. They're able to wake up early and really take that time in the morning for themselves because they know by the end of the day, they're not going to have anything left to give. And i really love hearing those stories because I definitely feel like I can take pieces of that. But for me personally, just as somebody who likes to plan out my schedule, I always sit down the night before, write out my to-do list, dump any ideas I have onto paper, figure out a time for them to live on my digital calendar. But in my digital calendar gets moved around quite frequently, but my actual written list gets written out the night before. So that way, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not thinking, am I already running late? And then start my day in a panic. In my mind, I have, okay, I know when my day starts. I know what I need to do before my day can start. And I have time in my day to complete everything that I have laid out. And that is the best way for me to approach it to where I don't feel like I burn out, don't feel like I overwork myself because I've kind of set myself up for success before the day even starts. And that's really the best way to practice self care. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good massage. I love taking a day where I'm just on Netflix and watching until, ask me if I'm watching, am I still there? (laughs) Because we all need those just brain breaks but i really try to be very respectful of a work hours of kind of the work hours that i've set for myself and not working at nights not working on the weekends because did i do that when i was an employee for somebody else no not really you know there was a, occasionally a time that i would do one or two one offs but i didn't do that for the most part so i don't need to do that for myself because how many of us start our companies for freedom. We start our companies so that we have more flexibility in our schedules, yet we find that we're working more than ever before.
0: Yep. I've definitely had that Yeah, over the past uh, few years where there's been bits where it's crept in and it's easy to do as well because you just sort it of, is. oh, I'll just do a bit more and, and that kind of thing. So it sounds like you've got a really methodical, strategic approach to that sort of things with regards to planning. And we had a discussion before, but how do you plan your content for your social channels? Because you said something that's really interesting about getting it done in a short amount of time that kind of amazed me. So I was like, yeah, let's dive into that.
1: (laughs) So it kind of goes off of what you just said, Chris, and the fact that I am very methodical. And so I like to kind of get in routines where I'm not recreating the wheel each time. So I actually created a planner and it's a physical paper planner that you create your nine to 12 topics that you will talk about on social media every single month. And you are revisiting that list and creating content from those nine to 12 topics every single month. So there's no more getting to a week and saying, I don't know what to post this week. This is very much a routine. And the reason why I do nine to 12 is when you think about going to somebody's Instagram feed, of course, everything is laid out in the grid in threes. People that don't follow you do not scroll beyond the first three to four rows of your profile before they decide if they want to follow you or not. So if they visit your profile, I want them to see who you are in a nutshell in those nine to 12 posts that they see. So and this is not only saving you time, Chris, but it also gives you a full comprehensive marketing approach to who you are, who your business is that you can you know, easily recreate and don't find that you're overlooking specific topics. So I'll give you an example. Most business owners forget to talk about how we can purchase from them. They will just straight up assume that Oh, well, they know that I'm a PR and social media agency, so they can come to me for PR and social media. Yes, but we want to tell them what are the services that we provide, that we do one-on-one work, that we do group coaching. We need to make sure we're sharing that more than anything. So service or product is something that is always on that list of the nine to 12 topics. Your one to two public relations pitches that we've just talked about. Those are on that list. Who you are actually being that personal approach of your brand. That is on that list. Testimonials or customer reviews. Those are on that list. That's great social proof. So you can kind of see where I've already gotten to four or five topics and we're already halfway there. And then you add in other fun things about your brand. So if you have a big team, making sure that you're showing who's on your team, show their face, let the customers get to know them as individuals as well. I am a new cat mom. I have a dog, but I got two cats. And if you follow me on social media, you're gonna see that I post about my cats all the time. So they are actually a pillar in my social media content. So you can kind of see where this becomes just a methodical process that at the beginning of the month, I am all about pre-planning content, scheduling it out so that you aren't having to think about it every week. But you set aside 30 minutes You can use the planner that I've created, or you can simply create this kind of calendar yourself. And you go back to those 9 to 12 topics and you think about how you can present these topics in different ways than you've told them in the past. You know, if you have three different services that you offer, then you're going to rotate every three months between those services. So you can kind of see where three months go by and you really haven't talked about a service but one time. So that actually just kind of reiterates my point that this is definitely something we need to be talking about. But if you're just kind of going at your social media with no strategy, no approach, you can see where those things would often get overlooked. And then it really doesn't feel like a cohesive uh, piece to your brand.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So is that something people can download? If what I can do is put a link in the description of the podcast and I'll put it in the socials when we share it. But yeah, that sounds like a really good piece of content and something that would be really valuable for a lot of people to do. Because I like the idea of, taking the time out of planning too much. And especially if you're focusing on a number of topics consistently, then yeah, going back to it and being that expert again that we talked about earlier on is going to be a lot easier. I like your analogy as well about kind of not saying enough about what we do. I heard someone the other day talking about, they were talking about a website. They're talking about people not putting enough calls to action on the website. And they said it's the equivalent of going into a shop and then saying, I want to buy something. And then sales rep saying to you, okay, yeah, the till's on the 13th floor and it's right in the back corner and you've got to try and find it behind all the shelves. But it's like that sometimes, isn't it? On websites.
1: That's a great point. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We aren't making it easy enough for our customers to buy from us. And just making it crystal clear, because I think there's obviously a lot of hesitation between having a new customer and them actually making a decision to purchase from you. So what questions can you answer for them before they even have those questions? You know, What kind of things can you get ahead of so that it's a no brainer? You know, We want them to kind of see us see what we offer and go, yes, I want this. I need this. Sign me up now. And of course we have to make it easy for them to do that too.
0: Definitely. So in terms of uh, social media side of things, is there anything at the moment you're seeing that is, I don't like using the word trends, but like, you know, the kind of the trends at the moment, but something that you see has staying power. So it's not something that's kind of maybe could fizzle out, but something that is, yeah, got staying power.
1: So Instagram, I tend to gravitate towards Instagram just because I feel like it is pretty universal as far as a lot of people know that they need to be on Facebook, but we don't really see a lot of engagement on Facebook. And that's just because if you think about it, most people follow hundreds, if not thousands of brands or individuals. And so their timeline, if they're not spending hours and hours and hours on it every day, it's hard to get across to our content. And it's really easy to stand out on Instagram because we have the ability to use hashtags. But Instagram has come out and said recently that video is a prioritized content on the app. So no longer can we just get by with using static images or static graphs to tell our story. We absolutely have to start integrating those video content. And I will be honest with you, the best way to get video out there for your business is to turn your phone around on yourself and record yourself talking. So again, that's just going to reiterate your brand and the personality behind your brand. There is a psychological effect called parasocial relationship. And it's this idea that whenever we see someone's face on camera multiple times, we start to get to know them. We start, again, we start to recognize their face. We start to trust them. And after a while, we feel like we have a relationship with them without even having talked to them, without having even met them we feel like we know them. We know details about their life. We know their face. And if we met them in person, if we saw them out and about, we would have a moment where we would go, oh, I know them. And then when you would go, oh, but they don't know me. And it's similar with celebrities, of course. Like we've seen their faces on movies. We've seen their faces on TV. And if we saw them out and about, we would go, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so but they have no idea who you are. So it's this whole idea of this one-sided relationship, but that actually is a goal that you should strive for on social media because we want our brands to start to recognize our face. We want them to start to recognize what we talk about. And so that when they see our content, they go, Oh my gosh, I know Allie. I know what she's about. I know what she's going to talk about. I know she always delivers value. She's always teaching me good things about my business. These are the ideas and these are the thoughts we want people to have about us when they see our face pop up on their social media. So I really want to encourage any brands that are out there that maybe haven't prioritized video content. And again, trust me, I get it. There is not enough time in the day. I approach video with a very systematized process. Again, I will sit down and kind of batch create five or six videos, save them in my draft folder, and then every day I can just go in and post one. That way I can get a video out every single day on my social media. So there's definitely ways to go about it so that it isn't taking up all your time. Because every trend that does come out with social media, I think kind of overwhelms a lot of business owners. They think, gosh, I have to learn this now too. And, you know, there already isn't enough time in the day. So, you know, really kind of work smarter, not harder. Like let's focus on if you are able to get out in front of the camera, Focus on making those five videos, you know, one time a week and saving them to your phone and posting them every morning when you get up and kind of making it a routine, making it a a habit that you do every single day and then eliminate something else that you were doing. Maybe you were doing engagement on your social media. While I do think that's really impactful for a lot of people, it's not as important as video is. So kind of prioritize those things that are moving the needle for your business. Test things, see what's working and then do more of that.
0: Yeah, so definitely, I mean, batching is something that I've done for a little while with reels and things like that, and some of the video content, and it totally does make a difference. And I, I really like the idea of the topics you were talking about. If you have those 12 topics, or those nine or 12 topics, and you can pull on those to do, you know, nine videos, that's fantastic, because that's nine videos in a nutshell, straight away, you know, so that's awesome, being able to do that sort of methodically. So in terms of that content and things, is there any platforms, you mentioned Instagram, any platforms that you really advocate for, other than Instagram is for depend on the brand, depend on the personality.
1: So I've always been a big proponent of saying, where are your customers? And that's where you need to be online. However, TikTok blows my mind every single day because while, so I also teach university courses in social media and public relations. And I have my students all working with different organizations, different nonprofits around the community where their university is. And it's amazing because one of them works for a company that markets only to dentists. And if you had asked me a year ago, you know, should this brand that only can market to dentists, should they be on TikTok? I'd say, no, that's not where dentists hang out. But in the last year, I think we have all been proven wrong in the sense that dermatologists, nutritionists, personal trainers, like any gamut of any type of lawyers specifically, real estate agents, These are all industries that I never would have guessed could make it big on an app like TikTok, and they have proved us wrong. So I really find it hard to find any type of brand that shouldn't be on TikTok right now. There's just really no limitation. And their algorithm is so good, it can find your exact target demographic, and it can find exactly the people that you need to be talking to after just a few posts. So it's really fascinating to think that an app that started with singing and dancing could turn into something so valuable, but it really is a great platform to start sharing your message. And it's even more laid back and casual than an Instagram or even like a LinkedIn. It isn't all about being produced like a YouTube channel's video would be. You know, while I still find value in platforms like Instagram and YouTube, you do have to have an element of production and an element of poise and kind of just professionalism. Whereas on TikTok, I find that it is very forgiving and even welcoming to those people that are just flipping the camera around on themselves and telling a quick story and posting it and going. So, you know, I definitely think taking a look at it is not all just singing and dancing on the app. There's definitely a lot of professional service providers out there that are able to really deliver value. And I, I have a few clients that we've worked on getting them on TikTok and they sell, I have a rug maker. She sells out every single collection that she creates because she posts about it solely on TikTok. She shares the behind the scenes. And then as soon as the collection is launched, it's sold out. So there is so much power in really telling your story and TikTok makes it easy for you to, to do that.
0: It's amazing. Yeah, I, I've been on TikTok for a while and there are certain videos that have really taken off and some that haven't at all. And we work with a brand actually that, and one of the things I like about TikTok is it's so creative in how mm-hmm. you deliver that message. There are so many different ways you can do it. Like you said, it doesn't have to be overly produced and you can come up with ideas and you come up with challenges and things like this that can be quite exciting and can be quite viral if they get picked up. So from your point of view, when you're approaching TikTok sort of content creation, is there anything that you do to get into that space as opposed to the others?
1: Yeah. So it's all about education. For me, that's really where our, my clients have to really approach TikTok because when you think about it, the algorithm with TikTok is all about who's sharing it and how long they're watching the video. So is it being shared a lot and is, are people watching the video all the way to completion? So while the trend, the trending songs, all the sounds that you hear people recreate, while those are certainly entertaining and there's definitely a place for those within your content strategy, delivering value is going to be the best way for you to position yourself, because not only does it position you as an industry expert, and it reiterates that message that we are sharing to the media and sharing on our other social media platforms, but it's going to be the best way for you to get shared around with others. And people are going to be sharing that content to say, oh, wow, this was really helpful. This might be something you would find value in as well. And it's really easy for us to think through, okay, what would our potential customers need to know? How can we tell our story and also help our potential customers? So it's really about finding what's going to be valuable to them and how can we help them in this journey? And it's not just about, oh, look at me, look at me. This is all the great things that I do, but more about how we can serve them.
0: Cool. Yeah. So on the back of that, what are the biggest misconceptions that you see about PR and about content creation and social media, what are some of the things that you maybe sticking points from people you've worked with that are kind of a bit apprehensive? What are some of the biggest misconceptions?
1: Consistency. It is that they've shared the message once and that's good enough. And we have to really think about the perspective of with the algorithm, the lovely algorithm that we love and hate. It shows our content to about 10% of our audience. Based off of what that 10% does, it will either show it to more people or show it to no more people. And, you know, it will kind of cut it off at that 10%. If we are sharing about something, maybe a service that we offer, and only 10% of our audience are seeing it, and maybe of that 10% audience, 20% of them were cooking dinner and they were just mindlessly scrolling while they were also trying to cook dinner. Another 20% were getting ready for the day and they were kind of just glancing at it while they were in the bathroom brushing their teeth and trying to get their kids out the door. Think about all the different distractions that people have when they're looking at your content. And when you think about it from that perspective, it's kind of shocking that you think, yeah, maybe five people saw this post and actually absorbed what I was trying to say in it. So this idea that we have to be consistent about what our message is and we have to use it in every single post, every single pitch that we're sending to the media, this needs to be ingrained in who we are. And don't be afraid to repeat yourself. That's, I think, the biggest sticking point that I see from business owners is they think because they posted about something once that they can't repeat themselves. And I would make the argument that you can, I will stop you after you've told it about five or 10 times and say, okay, let's give it a little bit of a break. But before then it is not too much.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head as a business, you feel you're posting too much about something. You feel like you're saying it too much too often. But in fact, like you said, only a fraction of your audience is going to see it. And, you know, so therefore being consistent with it is going to reach more people, get that message across. So in your career, what's some of the biggest challenges that you faced in building your business and getting where you are today?
1: A weird balance between knowing when to hire more employees. I right now have four team members that I work with on a, a pretty regular basis. And, you know, there's just kind of this forecasting that we all have to do of what's the next month gonna bring? What's the next five months? What's the next year gonna bring? And kind of feeling like we can try to get ahead of that but it's really hard. I feel like that's the thing where even though we can try as hard as we can to get ahead of it, things still pop up that kind of throw us for a loop and kind of throw us on our heads to say, this isn't what I planned for, or, you know, kind of being that forecaster of what's to come, but also being flexible enough to know that that forecast is probably rarely going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen.
0: Cool. So is there anybody that you think nails their PR and their social media so it could be a big brand you've seen, it could be, yeah, anybody you've seen on your sort of day-to-day, who are the brands that you really look to?
1: Without sounding biased, I really think Amazon does do a great job at their brand because specifically with PR, because they really do get down to their hometown roots, if you will, as far as going to the small communities that they are in and donating to the robotics club at the local high school, donating to the veterans organization in that community, they really do get down to a a local level that their customers can really feel the impact of those donations. So from a PR perspective, that's really powerful. And that's really kind of, you know, they could call the Today Show and get on the Today Show any day of the week. They could get on Good Morning America, all the big channels they could get on if they wanted but they choose to go down to those local roots because they know those hometown papers that are going to be covering that robotics club, that's the paper that I trust. That's when I open that paper and I read a story in that, I trust that. Whereas those big media outlets, sometimes people have mistrust and distrust in. So kind of thinking through where your customers are and you know where do they get their news? Where do they get their information? Where do they trust those sources? And getting in there is really a great approach and so i do think amazon does a great job at that
0: yeah definitely i've seen some stuff in the local community when they've helped out and done certain things and it does it it makes you feel connected to the brand it makes you feel that you trust the brand but also you want to engage with the brand more it gives you that sort of feeling so if you were to sum up one thing that listeners should take away from uh today's talk today's episode something they can input straight away what would you suggest
1: tell your story, figure out the best way to tell your story and start telling it today with your social media. Don't wait until it's perfect. It will fine tune and really hone in on what exactly it is you're trying to share over time. So pick something, start with it today, and you'll be amazed at the feedback that you're getting and really how cohesive your brand feels as soon as you start to implementing that into your business.
0: Cool. Thank you. Well, it's been absolutely awesome having you on. I'd love to do it again because it's been a great chat. Where can people find out more about you and some of the things that you do online?
1: I am on all social media platforms at the Allie Martin and that's Allie, A-L-L-I-E. So at the Allie Martin on all social media platforms. But Chris, it's been an honor to talk with you. So thank you so much for having me on.
0: Oh, no worries. It's been awesome. And I'll put all those links in the show notes along with the link to the planner as well and your business website. So yeah, it's been great. I look forward to doing it again. Thanks, Chris. We've just put together a weekly brand tip video series, which is designed to help you to unlock your brand's potential and stand out from the competition. And if you're interested, if you just go to elementsbrandmanagement, or one word, .co.uk forward slash weekly hyphen brand hyphen tips, sign up and you'll be delivered a three to five minute video a week straight to your inbox. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to receive more, you can subscribe in all the usual places. We're talking iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Please, if you get a chance, rate and review. It helps a podcast to kind of get a bit more visibility and allows us to keep on producing these podcasts. Have a great week. Catch up soon. Keep this brand on. unified.